Absolutely. It was a game that uh, Jason was pushing um, since I came into the league as a head coach. He's really been a guy that I've looked up to just for the way he's built Bosco, how aggressive he's been in building his program. And he really, you know, we talked about it, we thought about it. And he was like, hey, man, if you want to make this a national team, you've got to play national schedule. you got to do these things. And so hats off to Nolan Catholic for making this trip, especially in these times with the pandemic. Yeah. They did a great job. Um, but it's pretty apparent that as time goes that we get to play in the best league in the country, and it's an honor to represent the league. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tree League Football Podcast. I'm Dan Albano with the Orange County Register and OC Varsity, and I'm joined once again by our insider and my partner, Scotty Barajas, as we dive deep into all things Tree League Football. We're recording our show on Monday, September 13th, 2021, and that voice you heard kick it off our show was an excited Santa Margarita coach, Anthony Rogier after the Eagles' 31-13 victory against um, Nolan Catholic of Texas in the Trinity League versus the USA Showcase on Saturday at St. John Bosco. Scotty, I know you are back from a trip to Las Vegas to check out the Monarchs as they were on the road again against Liberty. How are you doing tonight, Scotty? I am taking a sigh of relief. So, uh, yeah, so I got back and, um, you know, broke down all these games. And then I even had jury duty today. And <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I just uh, finished all this up and um, looking to, you know, I, I even, you know, caught some, you know, college and a little bit of pro football as well. And so it was a fun-filled weekend. Um, yeah, you can never uh, – you know, I, you know, Vegas is Vegas. Uh, you know, there was a, saw a lot of Raider fans with the game going on tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, here we are. You know, week three, four. You know, depending on who we're talking about. Um, we, we had some great games this this past weekend, and uh, looking forward to some more games uh, this week. Well, thank you, Scotty, for balancing all those things uh, from football, from travel. And uh, everything you're doing with, uh, you know, balancing, you know, even uh, jury duty stuff. So good luck with that. Um, I want to thank all our fans again for uh, our listeners for checking out our podcast and supporting our show. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Trinity FB Pod. You can follow me on Twitter on at OC Varsity Guy, and you can follow you can find the podcast wherever you get um, your podcast from iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, um, all those places. So again, we support. Thank you for your support with our show, um, Scotty. So I want to talk. I want to start right where um, you were in Las Vegas and that Monarchs forty-nine to seven victory um, over Liberty of Nevada. Monarchs, of course, now two and zero, ranked number one in the uh, the country uh, this week again by Max Preps. Um, as you told me, that was uh, one of the, you know probably arguably the the top game for Relique Brown, the Oklahoma committed senior running back for the Monarchs, uh, rushed for four touchdowns. Modern Day r- r- had five overall rushing um, in that game. Elijah Brown was outstanding, um, outstanding at quarterback, fourteen of sixteen, two hundred and eight yards and two scores. He also rushed for a touchdown. C.J. Williams had a nice game. David Bailey was uh, a menace uh, coming off the edge, uh, two sacks. And I saw um, 
the new uh, defensive corner, the new probably starting cornerback for uh, modern day, Xavier Brown, checked in with four tackles on you know a, a very stout defense from the Monarchs. Um, uh, Liberty really struggled uh, offensively. I think they were under 100 yards total offense. But Scotty, you took it in there um, live at uh, Bishop Gorman was the site of this showcase event, Polynesian um, kickoff. Uh, Event. What did you take uh, away from this game as the Monarchs uh, got the, another road victory? Yeah, you know, it's, it was still odd to see, you know, this was modern day's only second game of the year in comparison to, you know, most schools who are playing their fourth game this week. Um, you know, for the past two weeks, you know, modern day was still, we were still hearing about the results of the Duncanville performance because that's all there was, you know, without a game. Yeah, but now we can, you know, now you know we can add uh, to to MD's um, schedule, you know, that they've outscored, you know, their last two opponents, ninety four to ten, you know, after taking down the, you know, the former Nevada State champ, um, yeah. which you know had a running clock for the entire second half, which was kind of interesting because the the clock started before they even kicked the ball. And I guess in Nevada, that's how they do the running clocks. I guess here they don't start until the fourth quarter. Oh. So, uh, so the the second half went by really, really quick. So, um, but yeah, you know, it was fourteen seven after that first quarter. Uh, you know, then Modern Day went on a, to score twenty eight points in the second quarter. Um, then that first you know half, Brady Brown, you know, got Modern Day off to a quick start, um, scoring on an electric. 27-yard run, then he let, added a 9-yard run, and then a 12-yard run, and um, and then in the second half, the only score was a 4-yard score. You know, he only finished the night with 87 yards on 9 carries. You know, he averaged nine about 9 yards a pop, but the significance to that was that it was, it was probably his best game as, as a Monarch. You know, he looked dynamic. He showed the burst, the cutback ability that we've seen in his highlight film and why he's the top 50 player nationally. So, um, you know, it just, it was, it was kind of, it was good to see, you know, and then not to be outdone, Elijah Brown, you know, continued, you know, just commanding the offense again. I mean, 14 of 16, just unfazed, you know, um, I don't know what to say. I say like, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy because he just keeps doing it game to game. And, um, you know, he connected with Williams, uh, first nice 17 yard touchdown and then Cooper Barkate for a 27 yarder. All in that first half. Defensively, you know, the Monarchs held Liberty to negative 11 yards rushing, 105 passing, with Liberty's longest gain of 34 yards that actually set up their only score of the night in that first quarter. And then um, the Monarchs recorded six sacks, two by Bailey. Um, He led the way with six tackles, um, you know, and then it didn't help that Liberty's inability to punt also gave the Monarchs great field position because Liberty would average 17 yards per punt, including a negative nine yard punt, which I've never seen before. Like the ball just went, I mean, it went straight up and back. I don't know how you, how you even kicked something like that. So, uh, you know, that, that didn't help their cause. Um, you know, and then, you know, they, you know, like I said, that second half, I think it was like, it took like 20 minutes to play that whole, you know, second half and, um, it went by really quick. So, yeah, it was a fun, you know, BAC business like trip. It was fun, you know, for parents and kids. You know, Vegas always is always. I always like that trip. So um, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, going forward. So you know, it'll be another bye week for Modern Day before they take on La Mirada in two weeks. Um, you know, of note, 
La Mirada's three and one, and then they actually yeah. going to take on a three and zero foothill the yeah. Knights from OC. So that's kind of a interesting one to look out for. But um, yeah. like I said, we've we'll, got to wait for another week, you know two weeks before uh, that one. Yeah, Coach Machete's team has actually won three in a row as well because they opened the season with a tight loss. I think they tried to make a comeback against El Toro and fell short in a pretty close game. But then they have won three straight, uh, including a victory last week, I think, by one point over Long Beach Millican. But we know how that game's going to go. Um, you know, modern day is going to roll uh, big time in that game. Um, but it is interesting uh, uh, update on La Mirada nonetheless. Uh, Scotty, was your player of the game Relique Brown? Indeed, it was. Yeah, okay. so yeah, he's averaging six, six, uh, nine point six per carry, four TDs. Yeah, to, to his, you know, like I said, his best performance to date. So, and and you had the stat about the running clock. Interesting. Um, I wanted to just get this one from you because we talked. You, you mentioned it to me off the air, but so modern day's offensive line, of course, blocking for Relique Brown. They have not been called for one holding penalty. Um, is that what you're saying uh, in the two, first two games? I, I yes. Hold on. Let me just let me double check something really quick because I I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't remember them being called for it. Well, most of their oh yeah, because most of their penalties were their you know false starts again. Um, eh, Playing pretty I clean, keep this but. There wasn't many. If there was, there was a. It, it might have pretty been clean. Blood. But okay. uh, yeah, they were. Oh, you know what? I don't get the penalties. The actual ones. Okay. I don't remember ones. They had. I think they had like four. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. So let's just say that the that the their the holdings have been down, and, and again, yeah. you know, and we were talking about. You know, I don't want to keep them on the officials, but again, this is two. This is a Texas and a Nevada game, so. Now we're back into California, so we'll see what happens from here on out. That's all yeah. I'm saying. No, I got you. And like you said, the penalties down for Monarchs, a good sign. Um, Sky, let's go to um, to the Trinity League um, versus the USA Showcase, the second year event it was played. It was first played in 2019, and then it didn't happen in that spring season. But now it was back with and was limited fashion, but there was two games. And I want to start with the Saturday game. I took this one in. It was at St. John Bosco, of course, the Braves hosting this event, looking to grow it, um, have big plans for it. Uh, I guess a little insight. I did talk to Coach Negro um, of the Braves afterwards, and he's going to be – we're going to have a sound bite for him to explain a little bit more. But this is um, an event that they are excited about. But it it was Santa Margarita 31, Nolan of Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, 13. So uh, Santa Margarita really dominated this uh, game. I believe it was 31-0 Eagles going into the fourth quarter. Jackson Potter had a, a very strong game, over just over 300 yards passing for three TDs, working really well with his, with his receiving group. This is the second time I've seen the Eagles. Nico Lopez, who I know you're high on, Scotty, he's definitely a legit junior um, along with Jackson. That's a good junior combo. They're going to be a lot of trouble this year, and they're going to be really good next year. Um, and, you know, I, I really like the projection that that junior duo is at. Jackson Potter to Nico Lopez, you can put that in the bank. They're going to – Nico's going to catch it. He's going to get open, and Jackson's going to get him the ball. But um, Gallegos is a really good receiver for him, and so is uh, Jalen Jones, who made a spectacular one-handed catch. Um, they can spread it around. 
They got a couple serviceable tight ends that you know can you know that they like to use as well. They and they'll they'll throw to the backs, but those three receivers do a lot of damage. Uh, first sack of the season for Hero Canoe at nose tackle for the Eagles, so that was encouraging. And um, I think they tackled better, um, but Nolan ta- uh, Nolan was not a uh, really struggled in the pass game. Um, they they really they did not have much of a pass attack. Um, they couldn't probably. Uh, they just they weren't very talented. Their their quarterbacks. We had one um, dual threat quarterback who was a good runner, who did some damage at times. But they were they kind of were in you know mistake prone. And once they got down, they didn't have the pass attack to come back at all. Um, and uh, Santa Margarita notably did not have Gage Grant or um, Jake Foyle, um, Foyer, uh, the running back and linebacker. Um, both out with injuries, so you know, um, not exactly the full strength. But Santa Margarita gets the three and one, and uh, this was their first time in the Trinity League. Uh, you know, uh, showcases Coach Rozier talked about, so they were pretty fired up. What did you take about uh, away from this game, Scotty? Yeah, anyway, it's beginning to look like you know the Trinity League is you know starting to flex its strength with these wins over these out of state you know teams. Uh, Eagles added the bragging rights. You know, over the state of Texas, you know, with this uh, convincing win, um, you know, but like you said, you know, it was another one-dimensional team that had a tough time moving the ball. You know, on the Eagles, they had no answer, and they had no answer for the Eagle quick passing game. You know, Potter picked up where he left off last week, running that quick tempo, short passing game. You know, got you know the Eagles up to the quick fourteen-zero uh, lead after that first quarter. With, as you mentioned, you know, hitting Nico Lopez on that first TD. Uh, then Potter, you know, took a, took a quarterback sneak for the second score, you know. And then, you know, like I said, Nolan was, you know, one-dimensional. But they did, like I said, they used two QBs. I think one for running and one for passing situations. And, and how, I don't know, they went on a – and you probably confirmed this. They went on like a, a drive that, that ate up like I think almost six minutes of the clock – you know, down to the 20, but came away with no points, you know. Um, and then later the Eagles, you know, wasn't able to capitalize, I think, on, a, on an unsuccessful uh, fake punt because on that drive, after they, they got that fake punt, Potter, you know, the only one probably mistakes that he, he – he didn't make many, but the one that he did, he, he missed an uncovered open wide receiver downfield. Um, and why I mentioned that, cause I'll talk a little bit, a little bit later about that. Um, so the Eagles had to settle for, I think a 41 yard field goal by Blake Wilson taking a 17, um, zero lead into halftime. And then earlier he missed the, I think it, you know, a 50 yarder in yeah. the upright, you know, so, you know, and Wilson, he's certainly been one of the most impressive kickers this season. And what's more impressive is that he's not just a kicker. You know, I don't know if he's a trained kicker like all these a lot of these kickers that go to these kicking schools, but you know he's got he's got to be up there amongst you know the top kickers for for the field goals that he's done in just this short time. So, um, you know, and then in the third quarter, you know the Eagles kind of continue that same formula, connecting on those quick passes. You know, got down inside the twenty, found Nico again for another touchdown. Um, you know, straddling the back of the end zone. Um, then they had an, added another score, as you mentioned, on that one-handed catch by Jalen Jones. You know, and they you know ballooned it to thirty-one-zero. Um, you know, North, you know, Nolan added another, I think, a rushing score against the Eagles' second-team defense. Yeah. Um, 
but you know the starting defense I think caused problems for this offense who like I said it couldn't throw to, to save their life um, and it wasn't pretty and I think you could agree because I mean even they couldn't even dump off short passes you know just to the backs they either threw them into the ground or they overshot them I mean I know that they couldn't contain that eagle you know press uh, pressure you mentioned five different eagles had sacks and then, you know, I also noticed that they, that field position didn't help either for Nolan Catholic as I think they, most of their drives started on their own 20 to 25-yard line, um, you know. And, um, you know, but I think that the Eagles have found the right scheme for this offense. That quick passing game kind yeah. of acts like runs. Um, and I know, like you mentioned, to that Eagle receiver core, they've shown enough quickness to pick up that extra yardage after the catch. But what I've noticed, and this is what's concerning, um, is the inconsistency that Potter has to complete the longer passes. And he's kind of struggled with the deep downfield passing, and he's kind of been night and day with the short passing game. You know, as long as was 23 yards to Nico Lopez, and he tempted several longer throws among his 43 attempts and his 29 completions. And we knew in the first two games, his, he was at 40 to 50% in those two games. And that was primarily because they were going downfield. But since they've gone to this short passing game, his percentage has, rise, has risen up. But he did struggle with the deep ball. You know, even Jalen Jones had to bail him out with that one-handed catch. And as I said earlier, you know, when he had that uncovered open wide receiver, he he didn't hit that one. Now, I know that this is what we do. We break down the certain things. So that's just something to keep an eye on for them to improve on. But we know that Potter, you know, that Margaret can be deadly. But that's just something at this point that what I've noticed, you know, and the running game has also hurt because Foy's been gone because the running game's kind of struggled because they're only averaging 3.5 per carry in the past two games. But that's what that short passing game helps and you know and they're successful with it so i'm pretty sure they're going to keep going with it and it's tempo he gets in a rhythm and you can yeah. see that they just keep going and that's that has been key with them and, it, and then it will open up the deeper passes but he's just got to have be able to make those throws um down the field yeah he's they're they're actually going they're praying their tempo is pretty fast um and i give a lot of credit um on the on the offense, I think uh, the offensive coordinator, um, Coach Embry, is doing a pretty nice job, um, and he he's he seems to be really you know they're utilizing a lot of their guys. I like the way they use their tight ends. They have a couple of tight ends. Um, Caspino uh, caught a touchdown as well um, in that game. I think Potter um, is immer- is definitely developing, and I, yeah, he missed some guys, which happens. Um, some some open guys. I I thought he kind of came in a little bit of the reputation of throwing you know from Jay Sarah. He actually I thought he had a pretty good reputation of throwing a pretty good deep ball because um, some of his highlights there were some deep passes. But he's got a good arm, and um, they're probably trying to you know still try to figure out you know having the short game the deep game. Um, but yeah, it was a great catch by Jalen Jones, but not a bad throw. Um, I mean, he caught him. He was in stride, um, but uh, who was your? Uh, oh, and then um, Wilson is an outstanding player. He's actually a, a junior as well. Washington committed baseball player, great athlete. He did kick that the field goal that hit the uprights um, from like fifty-one yards, and it was plenty up the upright, you know, middle of the uprights. 
uh, he had the wind uh, big time uh, on his at his back. So that was really aided by that, but still a boot um, and a very uh, excellent effort. So um, hey, and he wasn't going to say wind aided in the uh, in the scorebook on the stat sheet. So um, so uh, speaking of Jackson Potter, was he your player of the game in that one, Scotty? I did. You know, he commanded the offense. He got rid of the ball quick, connected, and you know, on sixty-seven percent, like you said, four for three hundred yards. You know, it's just you know, it, it's just you know, if he just improve on on those throws, but but you know, you know, like I said, we're just we're kind of breaking down the little things what we do, but yeah. but in all, he had he's he's been you know good. So, all right. Now, also on the tr- the previous day on Friday, the the uh, kickoff um, game for the Trinity versus the USA showcase. That was St. John Bosco 42-26 to over East St. Louis of Illinois. And that ran the, the Braves record to 4-0. Of course, they are ranked this week third in the country by Max Preps. This was at one point 35 nothing for the Braves. Then it did kind of, uh, there was some kind of, uh, then there were some, some mistakes and there were some struggles for the the Braves, as they try to close this one out, it's always hard for a high school team to, to you know, once they get up, um, they're they're having a great season, off to a great start. The, the focus can be sometimes tough, but they did give up, the Braves did give up a kickoff return. They had a fumble uh, and a block punt to kind of start off some of the troubles. Then there was a fumble return for a touchdown by East St. Louis, and. Um, then it was, uh, that's how that score became, you know, the, went from Braves firmly in control to, hey, they gave up 26 points. That's a great defense. And a couple of those, too, Scotty, and you'll probably have it in your report, a couple of those uh, fumbles and the block punts, um, the first two that I mentioned, those were deep in their uh, the Braves' territory, and it was because their defense bailed them out that they didn't give up any points. So um, that Braves' defense, despite those points, um, there's, they made some big time stands where this game could have been even, you know, even closer. Um, Rashawn Luke was outstanding, uh, rushing the ball for over a hundred yards. He had a touchdown, um, score, uh, uh, Jarius, uh, Satelli also continued his fine play. Uh, guys remember last week on last week's show, Scotty was saying that he was a, um, MVP type candidate. He had 10 total tackles, uh, Jalen Woods, um, four sacks for that um, Braves defense. So it was a, a bit of an uneven game um, at toward the end, and I'm sure that's something gives the Braves something to work on. I talked to Coach Nager a little bit about it. Um, he mentioned that he wasn't pleased with the ending, but they are 4-0 as they hit the road this week. But what did you see of this game, Scotty? Yeah, you know, we were scoreboard watching this one, you know, while we were at the – you know, watching the modern day game and and couldn't believe what we you know. So I said, oh, I gotta you know, gotta watch this and see what what, what uh, happened in this one because everyone's trying to wrap their heads around it, you know. But when you break it down, you look at the numbers, you kind of wonder somehow, you know, how did Bosco come away with this win? Because you know, certainly it was a perfect example of a team losing focus at execution, you know, after jumping out to a you know twenty eight lead, thirty five twenty eight, you know. Zero lead, thirty-five zero after three, you know, and then you had to think Bosco, you know, was in, you know, in after um, in for a game with East St. Louis, 
you know, when St. Louis went on an 18 play drive on their first possession, you know, you had to, you knew something was up, you know, something one, no one has been able to do against the Bosco defense, you know, however, they turned the ball over on downs, um, but they were so close in that drive, taking a seven nothing lead as the heralded five star Luther Burden, who had a great game, yeah. you know, dropped what appeared to be a routine long touchdown reception, you know, and then, you know, on that later on that drive, Bosco's defense comes up with two huge sacks, you know, on that drive by, you know, Jared Satelli and, and, and Mateo, you know, inside the 10 yard line. Um, and then it wasn't until Pierce Clarkson took that creepy draw 51 yards up the middle for that 7-1 lead three minutes into the second quarter, you know. And so it was like, you know, Bosco, you know, was, was you know, wasn't moving the ball that well. And, you know, they, they were inconsistent, you know. And then on the next, but then on the next possession, you know, shit on James takes that toss from Rashawn, scored on the 18-yard reverse, you know. And, you know, here it is, 14-0, you know, here we go, you know, and then and then East St. Louis seemed to shoot themselves in the foot on both sides of the ball uh, in the last six minutes of the half, um, you know, because East St. Louis offensively would run some chunk plays off great yardage, but then they get plagued by mistakes. There's a bad snap, went over the quarterback's head, uh, took him out of scoring range, um, and then the defense aided Bosco, for 45 yards with the penalties on a drive where the Braves netted 16 yards on a nine-yard TD run by Clarkson, which that made it 21-0. And, um, you know, and then Rayshon opens up the third quarter with a 60-yard TD run, yeah. you know, for that for that lead. And then the Braves follow that up with an 18-yard touchdown pass um, from Hauser to Mateo, and it's 35-0, six. 35 in the third quarter. So there you go. So those of you, everyone who turned away, missed this next action-packed last quarter and a half. You know, because remember in that first half, East St. Louis moved the ball but just didn't come away with points. And they were unfazed, you know, by that. They, they could have cashed it in, but they, you know, didn't even think about that because they kept playing. They started capitalizing. They started making plays chunk yards Luther Burden got on track making you know he made a 30 yard TD catch over great coverage by Marcellus Williams you know and on a side note Marcellus played great all night in coverage he batted away I think two balls and he was on tight on on everything um you know and then the Flyers you know went for two points that wasn't any good so you got 35-6 with 5-17 in the third after a Bosco three and out Burden takes a punt on a bounce Gets around the corner and races 70 yards on the punt return TD. 35-12, another no-good two-point conversion. Next possession, Hauser's sacked. He fumbles. See, St. Louis recovers on the Bosco 13-yard line, but East St. Louis can't capitalize on that one because they turn the ball over on downs. Yep. Braves go three and out on the next possession. Flyers block the punt. Yeah. But get called for running into the kicker by the player who didn't block the punt. So, so on that one, the guy blocked it, but then an oncoming player kind of ran into him. So it was only running into the kicker. So they re-kicked it. Braves gained an extra 20 yards. See, St. Louis moves the ball all the way down to the five Bosco five yard line. Turnover on downs again. Brave the like you said, the Braves defense yep. bailed them out on this one. Big time. After another Brave and East St. Louis three and out. The Braves' next possession, 
Luke fumbles a handoff, and ES St. Louis scoops and scores. 35-18, two-point conversion, no good. We are now at 7.37 in the fourth quarter. So to put this more in perspective, all right, so since the Braves scored its last TD with six minutes left in the third, the offense had run 22 plays for negative 21 yards in six possessions. How and how crazy is that? Okay, now, even any good high school, any football team, that is unheard of. Now, we're talking Bosco. How is that even possible? That is just unheard of. That's just crazy. So then East St. Louis gets the ball back. Lethal Burden scores on another on an 18-yard TD as the quarterback is being taken down by Jaron Satelli. And somehow the quarterback gets the ball away to Burden, who has a defender on his back. He kind of breaks the tackle, strolls into the end zone for the score. Two-point conversion is good this time. So now we are at 35-26 with 4.13 on the clock. All right, let me got to catch my breath. Jeez, I know this, this game was crazy. So I know. Crazy. I mean, it's it's a it's almost a one you know almost a one score game. It's uh yeah you know in so the fourth Bosco, quarter. So then Bosco's on the verge of going out on another three and out. Clarkson rolls out and he just heaves the ball. All right, and he gets as he's getting hit, but he completes his bomb to Logan Booher who outraces the DB for eighty six yards for the touchdown to extend their lead to give some Bosco some much-needed cushion, you know, and that was Clarkson's only second completion of the game, you know, a little more on that a little bit later, so, you know, so East St. Louis was fight where they were still alive, okay, because Bosco, on the next position, Bosco aided the Flyers by committing four penalties on the drive, but the Flyers ended up turning the ball over on downs at the two-yard line with 23 seconds, which ended up being all she wrote for the game but I yeah. mean I mean what a game that was I mean they almost pulled it off I mean I mean we talked about you know what would happen if Bosco's offense stalled against teams who could score didn't we talk about that last week yeah you know and I know I know St. Louis didn't take advantage of all their opportunities as they were three of nine on fourth downs you know but they made it interesting you know the flyer sophomore quarterback Robert you know loved his name pops battle you know, he didn't yeah. have an impressive stats. He only completed 42%, you know, for 234. But he was effective enough to keep plays alive in that second half. And then it was burden. You know, he had 307 all-purpose yards, 11 catches, 169 yards receiving those two TDs. And uh, he was the man for them. You know, some say he should have touched the ball more. Um, you know, yeah. he did have four. You know, he, did, he could have had five touches in that first half and that one drop touchdown. You know, and then on the flip side, Bosco's passing offense was a non-factor as both QBs combined seven of twenty-one for one hundred forty-four yards and two touchdowns, thirty-three percent. You take away that eighty-six yarder, and the Braves have fifty-seven yards passing, sixteen yards in the second half. You know, Hauser finished five of sixteen for fifty-five yards. Clarkson two of five for eighty-nine. You know, on that. You know, and then on a. You know, on that. And then on a side note, you know, their rushing game, you mentioned Luke, you know, he had a hundred over a hundred yards, 60 on that one carry. He was really, really only back because Bates was out. Um, and last week, Luke and Haynes were out. And, um, you know, and then also on a, on a side note, um, defense alignment, Malachi, Finau went, who's been the other half of the dynamic duo on their defensive tackle, 
he went down in the first quarter with a lower leg injury and he didn't he didn't put any weight on it so um it didn't look good so i don't know what what the status on him is okay um because they were he i mean they have a lot of young guys but he was playing really well he's probably probably playing second best to uh, uh jerris um and then not to go without noting as you mentioned that bosco you know, defense made those stops. They bailed this, bailed them out from 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 the, um, uh, not losing this game because they recorded eight, six in the first half. Yeah. And then just to add that the rushing, you know, they had 199 rushing yards. But man, it was just. It, I, mean, I don't think I'll ever see another game like this again. So that is wild. Um, <laughs> before and great job on that report, Scotty. Um, before I, I ask you your player of the game in this one. So did some flags go up for you um, with Bosco? Did did is this concerning stuff for you, or um, or you, you you're more like me that I I, I'm, I I some concerns, but I just feel you know figure that it was a little bit of a mental lapse and um, not too worrisome. But what do you think? You know, I, I'm sticking to my guns with what I had said all along is that if they have any offensive ineffectiveness with a team that can score or move the ball, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened because they, even in the first half, they didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, they struggled, you know, they get these big plays, you know, big Bosco does not, has not driven the ball. If you look at all their scores, 60 yard touchdown, 86 yarder, you know, they did, you know, they did capitalize down. But they go, who do they? They go to Mateo when they're down in that red zone. He caught another one, you know, where the DB couldn't get on him. Um, so it, it, it's you know, and it was you know Hauser who's been the last, the last, you know, the last two games. He's been great, you know, you know Clarkson, you know, he's he's the one that's inconsistent, but he'll come back and he'll make the big play on on you. He's deadly in the run game because he he, he pulls it, and he goes, and that's where it makes you. So that's I can see you know why you play him, but it's just. It, it, the inconsistency so you, you're gonna live and die by that you know um and they can score at any time but they just haven't had consistent you know drives and like we said so that's what that's like i said that was my concern i've stuck to it all along you play these teams that you know can score and that's why i said survive modern day lo- lo- you know looming out there and then you know we'll touch base on the on their their game coming up in virginia that's not going to be any slouch either so you know, okay. the defense is playing well and they're, you know, and they're, you know, like I said, and they're going to bail them out, you know, who, you know, and that, you know, a win's a win and that, you know, that's all Negro was saying, but I know it, it's churning inside that he wants offensive effectiveness, so. All right. Well, let's see what happens uh, as we go forward. Uh, player of the game, uh, Scotty, for Bosco, did you take somebody off that defense? Did you take Jalen Woods? Did you take... Um, uh, Jarius uh, Satelli. You know, I I had three guys: Woods, Satelli, and even Clarkson. Even though he, even though he, you know, um, he didn't have great stats, but his scoring was what changed momentum for them. His fifty-one yard touchdown came, his nine yarder, and then that eighty-six to stop the bleeding. Um, you know. Okay. You know, but and like you said, but I, I, I ended up giving it. You know, I didn't mention him much in there, but Woods because he did have those four sacks. You know, I ended up going with Woods. Okay, got it. All right, Sky. Couple more games to finish out here um, from week three of the season. We thank all our listeners for uh, sticking with us and listening to our Trinity League football podcast. How about the Servite Friars, now ranked number nine in the country by Max Preps? They won fifty-eight to seven at. 
um, Bishop Amont uh, to improve to three and zero. Check out this halftime score: forty four nothing Friars at halftime. I saw some. I saw read some articles and uh, or an article by Fred Robledo, um, the guru out of the uh, San Gabriel Valley. Um, maybe said it was maybe the one of the worst, uh, you know, losses in, in Bishop of Montstoried um, history. And it turned out that the uh, Friars were pretty motivated because they were uh, playing for their offensive coordinator, uh, Sean Coley, um, who is a former, a longtime assistant coach, had been at Bishop of for about 16 years. He was their offensive coordinator. Um, he was their quarterback coach. I think he was a strength and conditioning coach. I think he was a he was a teacher there in theology, and he's been at Servite for a couple years. And in the post game, Coach Thomas talked about this was uh, this game was dedicated for Coach Cole and he, what an impact he's made on the program. And gosh, they scored forty four points. Um, quite a statement there by the Friars, um, you know, against one of uh, you know former rivalry uh, game you know for for coach Thomas from his days at at uh, Crespi um but um Noah Fafita was outstanding 18 of 27 for 260 yards three touchdowns no interceptions um Welsh continued his um strong play at wide receiver really given that added dimension to the Friars you know receiving group he had seven catches for 77 yards he's their leading reception leader um and then T-Mac had two touchdown catches and a big tackle playing defense. And um, that was all she wrote. Uh, you know, uh, Friars, you know, now ranked top 10 in the country. That's pretty big-time stuff. Um, what did you think of this game, Friar? I mean, uh, Scotty? Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Um, you know, we we know what last week I asked you or I said we you know what Bishop Moss going to show up well we knew which one showed up um, except for it was much more than uh, what we saw in the Bosco uh, game you know yeah and it and, and you know and then the Lancers also aided in that you know with lacks of execution and turnovers you know as they turned the ball over three possessions in a row. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Servite's offense is much more in sync than Bosco's would, and they would move the ball at will, and they did. Um, you know, and, it, and like I said, it wasn't without help from Amat's special teams. You know, as the punter, you know, fumbled the snap inside Amat's own ten yard line, and then Hughes Thomas scooped and scored for seven yards out. Next possession, Amat has trouble again with the snap, aiding in another uh, score, short score from Servite. You know, that ended up making that one, I think, twenty eight zero. Um, after a Thomas score, and then on Amat's next possession, trouble struck again. Is this time the snap went over the punter's head out of the Yikes. end zone for a safety? So that's three in a row, you know, or thirty zip just like that, you know. And then Servite closed the half out with a nine yard uh, TD pass to T Mac and a nineteen yards to Welsh, and then next thing you know, like you said, forty four zero, you know, and you know Noah finished the night um, with two sixty one. Um, those three TDs, you know, Thomas added two more rushing scores. Um, and then that same, and then on a night where Tobin Odell was limited, you know, was limited to 41 yards passing and it's the same passing yards Bosco held Odell to the previous week. You know, how is that? That's crazy. 41, 41. Um, and then again, T-Max started at corner, 
and he made some impressive plays in that hit that you mentioned. Um, and again, we didn't see Emmett Mosley on the field for the third straight week, so you have to check on his status on you know what's you know with him because that's T Max you know been at the corner spot both. Um, which is no slouch there because he's probably you know he, you know he's playing really well you know right now you can argue he's probably you know you know you know that you know one of the best two way guys um, and then uh, the last observation of the night you know Servites has been committed to run the ball more than before you know it seems you know at least seems that way you know because they're averaging about twenty three rushes per game. And you know, I know that's far more than its previous two seasons, and uh, that's just going to aid and help uh, when they get into Trinity to League play because it, you know that's what was you know sometimes hindered uh, Servite was not having that being balanced enough in league. Yeah. Well, it is going to be very interesting. Um, of course, they got another big game this week against uh, Sierra Canyon. We'll be talking about that. Yeah. Scotty, who was your player of the uh, game for the Friars? I went with Welsh, you know, you know, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, you know, I know he's been catching a lot of balls, um, but we said they need that like kind of third guy and he's been there, you know, you know, that, you know, he's seven of 77, you know, and that shows me that's like your possession type guy. He did that a long TD, but you know, that becomes your, um, you know, security blanket, you know, on those short passes when you can have a guy that reliable. So uh, for this one, Welsh gets the player of the game. Nice. Yeah, Mikey Walsh, he's up to 17 receptions now in the uh, the first three games. That leads the Friars. Um, I think T-Mac is at 12. He's right there behind. I think he's at 12 or 13. So um, really impressive. Um, and I will check, and I have, I have inquired about Emmett Mosley. It's a guy very high on. And uh, haven't been able to get an update, but I will uh, continue to do that and definitely uh, bring it to uh, to our listeners here on the Trinity League Football Podcast. Scotty, how about another? Here's an, you know talking about thrilling games. Uh, we were talking about the Bosco game that you broke down so well. How about um, Orange Lutheran winning forty one thirty eight in overtime at Damien? Um, another thrilling you know close game for the Lancers who are four and zero and then pulling out some close games. And in this game, you know, for the Lancers, it was uh, the Logan Gonzalez show for sure. He had, I mean, we've said this a few times about him, but this was, again, his best game. It's got to be his best game with the uh, Lancers. 21 of 36 for 348 yards, four touchdowns. I think those last two numbers, passing yards and touchdowns in a game, those are career highs. Um, he also ran for a touchdown. And utilize who we've talked a lot about as well, Desmond Jackson. Um, Desmond had seven catches for 92 yards out of the backfield as a running back. Also rushed for for 91 yards. So this looked like a tough game for the Lancers on the road against a pretty good Damian team. Coming off the close game against Edison, this was going to be a, a, another test. But uh, the Lancers continue to, to pass these challenges to get to 4-0. You know, they went to Sarah and won their opening game and uh, won a close game against Edison, won another close game here against Damian. Um, what did you think about this uh, game, Scotty? Are you as equally high on Logan Gonzalez right now? Yes. Well, I, he did complete 58%. You know, I look for like, you know, I'm looking at efficiency, but, um, but he did, you know, as far as yardage goes, and he did make some great, great throws um and he kept some drives alive you know so 
and you'll see this in you know in my report. Um, you know, just you know, just as you thought, you know, Olu was out of this one. You know, the Lancers came up with big plays. You know, and either to keep drives alive or for go-ahead scores. You know, and like we said, you know, and it was Logan Gonzalez and Desmond Jackson um, responsible, and a host of other you know wide receivers too. Yeah. Um, you know, this this certainly isn't the same Olu team from last year. You can see it. You can see what Rod Sherman has done. He's done wonders thus far. You know, though at times, you know, I'd see the same mistakes and missed opportunities. But unlike last year, this Olu team, you know, didn't and doesn't fold because they've come back and made the plays when needed. Um, there was a lot of back and forth scoring from the start of the game, you know, as the first quarter was, you know, knotted up 14-14. You know, then both defenses kind of settled down in that second quarter, you know, and then finally Olu executed a nice two-minute drill with uh, Jackson, Caleb Marshall, and Jackson Wing making some great catches from Gonzalez. Um, and again, no turnovers, and he completed balls to seven different receivers. Yep. So you know that's just it's it. That's just the growth that he's 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 uh, displaying. Um, you know, in, in on that 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 last drive, he hit Marshall in the back of the end zone to take a twenty-one fourteen lead into the half. You know, so then Olu kind of and Damian kind of exchanged scoring in the second um, in the third quarter. Um, so it ends up being twenty-eight twenty-one. Olu, and then Damien comes back to tie the score at 28 with six minutes left in the game after Olu kind of gets caught in a run blitz and Jaden Moss kind of goes goes right up the middle right by the off tackle for 40 yards down to the three-yard line and then Damien punches it in a couple of plays later. Um, Olu was unable to come back on that next possession. Damien kind of takes the, takes the lead on a 35-28 with a minute and five left in the game. On another incredible, you know, big play that kept the drive alive by Damien's quarterback Dylan Gutierrez, with a third and nine uh, from the Olu 35, 45 yard line. Gutierrez gets appears to get sacked by the Lancer pass rush, and he somehow eludes, gets slips out of it, finds his tight end for a seventeen yard gain. So, and then they end up. That's that's the play that was key on that drive. Uh, they eventually, you know, punched it in. You know, so the Lancers kind of take take over with 58 seconds at the 43 yard line after a bad squib kick by Damian, and then on a second and long, and I thought Olu was about to squander their chances because Zal had forced the ball between two defenders that should have been picked off, but the defense the DB dropped the ball, so instead it gives them a, a third and long to which he found a security blanket, Des Jackson for a key first down. That kept the drive alive, and then a couple plays later, Gonzalez finds Jackson again for the 17-yard touchdown with second 17 seconds to remain in the game. But the officials had to huddle up and confirm that the, that it was a TD because it looked he was close to him being out of bounds, and um, you know. And then the craziness doesn't stop here. So then Olu decides we're going to go for the win. Right. So they line up for the two-point conversion, and they get two points but only to have it nullified by a holding penalty and which is a spot foul so it moves the ball back just outside the 10-yard line so the Lancers decide to settle for the extra point to tie the game instead so it goes to overtime and in overtime Damien has to settle for a field goal yeah. and then on Olu's possession on a third down Gonzalez finds his favorite target Jackson again on a swing pass who outruns the defender to the corner makes a cut 
goes into the end zone for the game winner. Yeah. So, you know, another crazy what a game, you know. Like I said, you know, there was a number of the team times that the Olu guys had to battle back just when you thought Damian was going to pull this one out. I mean, Damian played its best game to date. You know, Gutierrez threw for 301, four touchdowns, you know. But you got to credit Olu with the adversity they overcame, you know. You know, the Lancer defense did give up three passing TDs of 38, 34, and 40 yards. So that was kind of a... Um, but, you know, on a drive in the third quarter, you know, with the you know game tied, you know, Olu had a third down and the ball was on the Damian 20 and, you know, Gonzalez, you know, kind of he takes a 19-yard sack. But Damian defender removed his helmet. You know, and and the, and the guys penalized, and it allowed Olu to, to uh, kick an attempt forty yard field goal, but it's wide. So Damian kind of missed on that opportunity. They missed on another two yard. Uh, they had two wide receivers wide open that had slants that would have went for scores, and they dropped those. But you know, like I said, uh, Lancers didn't dwell on the missed opportunities, and um, you know they played. You know, capitalized on the next plays, and in the end, Olu was four zero. Yes, indeed. Um, Scotty, who's your player of the game for the Lancers? It's got to be Logan Gonzalez, right? I, I coded Logan and Des Jackson because, okay. again, he had 183 yards of total offense. He scored the game tying and the game winning, and yeah. he had that key third down reception. So, you know, I gave it to, to both of them for that. Yes, and like you said, Lancers 4-0, same record as St. John Bosco. They're both 4-0, Servite. 3-0, Modern Day 2-0, Rancho uh, Santa Margarita 3-1. And, and then our last game uh, from week three, Scotty, that was Jay Sarah 1-2 now after losing to um, the visiting Centennial Huskies, Centennial Corona Huskies 48-0. And we knew this was going to be a tough one. Centennial, they're definitely uh, one of the elite teams in the southern section you know, going to you know, looking like they're going to go Division One for sure. Um, there wasn't a lot of highlights for uh, Jay Sarah. We've kind of searched and uh, asked around a little bit on on any bright spots for the Lions. Um, we have kind of come up a little bit a- empty. Um, what are you hearing about this game as in, as it pertains to boss uh, to uh, Jay Sarah, Scotty? Yeah, we knew this was going to be a tall task for Jay Sarah, you know, but when you break this one down, you know, Centennial didn't really run away with this as much as, you know, you would think. Yeah, it was 48-0, but the Huskies scored on two gadget plays and got two pick sixes in the second half, you know, and Centennial didn't blow the doors off Jay Sarah. You know, in fact, you know, the Huskies kind of struggled a bit offensively going scoreless on their first two drives before getting that first score on the on the throwback quarterback Izzy Carter who scored from 76 yards and then later QB Carson Conklin you know tossed it to the uh, wide receiver Dante Kinnebu who you know threw the ball back to former Jay Sarah Eric Denman for a 95 yard TD so they were right there I mean two big you know gadget scores you know and then the Huskies added two more conventional scores you know to make it 28 nothing at half and then you know Centennial's offense added one more score half you know, one more score and then, you know, the two pick sixes to round out the 48-0. So, you know, it was it was to be expected, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, you know, 48-0 in all in the first half. You know, it was spread out. Um, 
you know, obviously, you know, I, you know, it's tough. You know, we try to find what, what you know, what Jay said is, but I think their defense, you know, is a little bit better, and that's kind of kept Jay Sarah in these games a little bit longer. It's just hopefully their offense can get them a little bit more punch, and um, and that, you know, that, and that's what they're struggling right now. But I think their defense is ahead of their offense. Okay, I wonder if uh, Coach Logan put in those trick plays uh, to give. You know, potential playoff opponents, uh, potential modern day Servite or Bosco, the training league teams, a little bit more film study. Um, what do you think? You think that maybe those were purposeful? You know, that's a game they're heavily favored, and they're they're running trick plays. Uh, is there a reason for that? You think? You know, I mean, maybe to practice, but I mean, that's to be expected, anyways. Even if I would, even if I hadn't seen that yet, I, you know, just knowing what we know on Centennial, um, you know, they're full of everything. So, uh, you know, they never punt. You know, right. they, they, it's just crazy. So I don't, you know, so it's not to be expected, but, um, you know, so uh, the fact that they, you know, that they. I think that's the first time this year that they've scored off of, of any gadget plays. But uh, as part of their, I think, you know, part of their offense. All right. All right, Scotty. So now before we look at this week's games, uh, let's hear from Coach uh, Jason Negro um, talking about the future and his plans for the Trinity versus the USA Showcase. You showcase what our league yeah. um, has to bring and runs our record to 5-0 and against other teams across the country and you know, certainly next year, we've already had a lot of interest from people reaching out to us Good. Um, to, to have that game. And we want to expand it. You know, our whole goals are to potentially play four games, if not four, maybe five. Nice. Um, you know, so as, as long as it all works out with the open weeks of yeah. the teams in our league. Nice. You know, play a game on Thursday, one on Friday, two or possibly three on Saturday. Yeah. So um, we'd certainly have the venue and the ability yeah. to host it. Yep. Um, and as you can see, it's it's exciting moment. and. Kids get to play against somebody from another state. Yeah. It's really exciting. All right, Sky. Well, let's look into week four. Believe it or not, it's already here. All these games on Friday coming up on uh, September, um, September 17th, Friday. And interesting enough, a lot of the teams are on the road this week in the training league. You, as you mentioned, modern day is, is got a bye week. But part of the debate, Scotty, about this week, which I like, is there's potential for what is the game of the week? And I'll guide us through it, uh, Scotty. But maybe it's Los Alamitos on Friday against Santa Margarita at Saddleback College. Because we know that um, this is a good game as far as Orange County rankings are concerned. Um, Los Al is ranked third in the uh, in the county. Santa Margarita is firmly, you know, tops, you know, six or so team in the county. And you got a lot of uh, talent coming uh, for the Eagles here that they, they have to face. Um, rushing, Losal brings um, Nigel Osborne, a um, transfer from St. John Bosco who's already run for 307 yards, um, averaging almost eight yards a carry. He's a, he's a very good running back. Um, you know, passing, of course, you have to start with uh, Malachi Nelson, committed to junior com- quarterback, committed to Oklahoma. He's already thrown for... 1,074 yards, um, completing 66% of his passes. Um, He's got 11 TDs, three interceptions. Um, He's a big-time weapon. And then um, 
yeah, you, you got these outstanding uh, wide receivers. Um, Moore, DeAndre Moore is an impact a junior, uh, recent uh, transfer before the season, even though he's got low sal ties. Um, he's outstanding. Got 15 receptions already for uh, 259 yards. Their top receiver, another junior committed to Oklahoma, so that's two Oklahoma commits. Um, that's Makai Lemon. He's got 25 catches already for over 400 yards, and he's got five touchdowns. So there's a two big um, target. Another guy I really like, Alex Wills. He's a, a senior. He's got 11 uh, catches for 244 yards and two touchdowns. And when you concentrate a lot on Makai um, Lemon and DeAndre Moore, you, you can't forget about um, how good Alex Wills is. He goes under the radar and I've even been guilty of maybe not giving Alex Will his due, and it can happen. Um, so outstanding. And uh, defensively, they've been playing very uh, scrappy. Um, you know, they've been winning a couple close games. They're coming off a really close game um, uh, at Buchanan. Very exciting game. A lot of I think it was eight lead changes um, in that game. But this is a very talented low-south team, one of the most talented teams um, that they've had. Um, one interesting guy um, on defense, they have a, a Utah State committed defensive lineman, Adam Tomsick. Um, Tomsack. He's got four and a half sacks um, already. He's a guy to watch out. They have a very active linebacker, um, Gerardo, who's got three and a half sacks. But, Scotty, do you, in your mind, could this be the game of the week? Uh, I want you to kind of keep it on that, but what do you think of my case here? No, oh, you're right there. Um, you know, I was just going to say that because I think everyone has their, you know, probably everyone's game of the week. Um, you know, this is going to be that test, you know, that gauge to see where Los South stands. And I'm not talking just county rankings, you know, because we're going to go more in depth, you know, yeah. beyond the offensive skills because Los South has the skills to compete with Trinity teams. But, you know, it's those, <clears throat> but those close, you know, close, you know, people in the program that I've talked to say, you know, they don't have the boys in the trenches as to why LaSalle, you know, isn't on that same par or why they didn't take, decide to take on MD, Servite, or Bosco. But yet, instead, they're taking on a Santa Margarita team who at the time probably wasn't among, you know, the league's elite. But if you look at LaSalle, you know, with the players, you know, on the front side, you know, they're not small. You know, you know, they're all about six three, six four, they're rangy, you know, I think only one guy, Robert Hamilton's, you know, three twelve, you know, but he's the only three hundred but they are bigger than most. Um and um but they just may not have the depth. So they do have some guys, you know, on the line you mentioned Tom Sack with that offer, you know, I think there's Sin Brennan, you know, he's not you know, he's a rangy guy but they're very talented up up front on both sides of the ball. So, you know, so I think the Griffins are better off than what most people thought, you know. And, you know, they played close games with winning teams, Lincoln and Buchanan, but I think the rest are combined. They're winless. So, you know, but in the end, I think these are the five keys to the game. Number one, you know, can the Eagles secondary run and cover with LaSalle's receivers? Two, you know, will LaSalle match up physically in the trenches three will Santa Margarita be able to utilize their uh, short passing game 
versus low south speed in the secondary because these guys will close faster on those shorter routes four when needed can potter be consistent with this downfield passing and five santa margarita will need to run to be successful more than that three yards per you know if the eagles have to rely on being one-dimensional they could be in trouble i wouldn't be surprised if either team won because i think that's how close this one's going to be i think it's very close um very telling game um i'm picking los out to win this thing um that's my that's my feeling because I think of their skill and their athleticism at wide receiver and the skill positions, um, but they're still well. You know, I, if now if 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 I knew a little if we knew an update about I think Gage Grant and Foyer are very important players for Santa Margarita in the physicality department. Um, I think a game I think a, a game like this. Yeah, I want to know about linebackers and who's going to be making tackles on you know some of this stuff, and that's going to be on low sell too. There's going to be those like I mentioned earlier; those tight ends are going to be are those are that could be um, that's a difficult matchup. They're going to have to have guys that come up and make those tackles as they're dealing with the wide receivers uh, from Santa Margarita too. So that diversity in the attack, I think, can be problematic for um, could be problematic for for low sell. Um, because they have a couple big re, uh, tight ends f- for SM, um, but uh, who are you picking, Scotty? If you had to pick it, uh, Losal. Okay, I think if Losal wins this one, and this is their their last uh, non league game, it seems like they could be headed to the Division One. Elite uh, playoffs. If they're going to run the table in the sunset like they did last year, what do you think? If this, if they win this, you think they're headed to D one? Uh, win or lose, I think they're headed to D one. Okay. So, what if Santa Margarita? How about this? I also thought about this. Santa Margarita wins, and they get third. Uh, they get fourth in the Trinity League. I mean, is there any way that Trinity League is getting four into the uh, Division one? Are they there? You think that? Ah, even if they, you know, they'll just have too many losses and they, they wouldn't get picked up for D1? Well, the question I have, and I've had this discussion with, with some of my, with, with some of the other, is it going to be 16 teams or is it going to be the eight? Because I can't figure if anybody has confirmed whether or not they're going to do like the, how it was like the open where it was just eight or if it's going to be basic, back to that, you know, full top 16. Because I've heard that if that, you know, so that depending on if it's eight versus 16, that's going to be very different. So, yeah, I have uh, written about that. Um, and I'll have to look it up here as, uh, and I'll try to get that, um, get that to us. I know I, I have uh, talked to CIF about that. Um, I'm looking it at as we speak, but I'll hopefully um, be able to find it here before the end of the show. Um, Sky, here's another game I think contends for game of the week. There is, it's a good week for, how about Servite? Again, we said, you know, you know, three and zero, but they're taking on a, a talented Sierra Canyon team on the road. They're back in the Valley Pierce College, and that Sierra Canyon team is coming off a bye. They really struggled against Centennial um, when they played a showcase de- game down in San Diego a couple weeks ago. But I mean, do you think this has the potential uh, to be a, um, you know, a game of the week? I think this is also going to be the Valley's. Um, you know, formerly known as Fox uh, Game of the Week. 
Yes, it is. Um, you know, this isn't the same Sierra Canyon of the last few years. This group is, I, I want to say, at least like a notch below. You know, they're beat up. You know, against Centennial, I think both running backs had to go both ways at cor- right, both corners. And it took its toll over in the game. Uh, you know, so that was a much-needed buy. Daniel Duran is the starter quarterback. I think he had through t- 12 touchdowns, four picks in the sh- uh, shortened season. But he's been inconsistent this year. He's, you know, he is completing about 63%, yet he, but he has four TDs and four interceptions. So, um, and they don't, you know, Sierra, Sierra Cannon is kind of a more of a ball-controlled offense. They don't air it out deep. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. And then defensively, Sierra Canyon, you know, may be able to slow Servite maybe a little bit, but eventually that Friar offense is going to win out. And, um, you know, with the way Servite's been playing, you know, I find it hard-pressed for Sierra Canyon to move the ball on the Friars. So uh, look for another big Servite win in this one. I agree with you, uh, Mr. Barajas. Here's another – here's my last, uh, I think, pick – for game of the week, and, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You kind of teased that at Scotty. So St. John Bosco headed on the road uh, to take on Smith, or they're really known as Oscar Smith of Chesapeake, uh, Virginia. Pretty interesting squad. Um, they're 2-0, and but there's a lot of interesting things to this game. Um, if you do a little research, uh, which I did a little research on, on Oscar Smith. For one, they... Uh, they have, you know, as it's kind of been dubbed as one of the, the best walkouts uh, um, in high school football. They come out of uh, uh, their their tiger cage, and uh, they might have, some of the players might have, like, bats and sledgehammers and stuff like that. And um, I saw some videos of it. They got the smoke, and um, the guys are, you know, getting all hyped up. But that's a, that's a big deal, the tiger cage. Um, these guys are really good, you know, like state title contenders in Virginia. Um, their stadium has got, um, you know, three names to it. They're, they're, and the name of the stadium is named after former players with, um, with Smith that went on to NFL. The, the one of the names is actually Easley. Um, it's the Beards, you know, hyphen, um, DeLong, uh, Easley, uh, stadium. And that Easley is af- named after Kenny Easley, the Hall of Fame NFL, um, safety with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So um, they got some good heritage there. That's probably the best player that's ever come out of uh, um, uh, Oscar Smith. And like you said, this could be an interesting game because um, uh, Smith's got a really good running back, a a pretty uh, stout-looking kid who uh, runs really well. Um, They have a a good quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback. He's the guy to to know probably about Ethan uh, Vanko. Um, he's their top player. Um, he's a very good high school dual threat kid. He's like 6'4", 200, committed to Old Dominion, very accurate, runs it. I think he threw no interceptions last year. He had some ridiculous stats. Um, and they also have a, another Clemson commit, um, just like uh, you know East St. Louis had a, a secondary kid committed to Clemson. These guys have a... Uh, Another a safety, um, Sherrod Coville, who's committed to Clemson. So they have this outstanding dual threat quarterback. They have a running back. They have some big linemen. They got the safety going to um, Clemson. Uh, like you alluded to, Scotty, uh, this is no easy game. Uh, and they're in the Tiger Cage, Scotty. So Yeah, so, you know, it's 
you know, they're, they're coming in 33 ranked nationally, number one in Virginia, reigning 6A champs. You know, they lost 16 guys from last year's team, but they returned about seven. You named, you know, you named, you know, Coville. Um, uh, you know, he's the uh, Clemson DB, and he was a four-star guy. He had 26 tackles and three picks, you know, in the shortened season. Um, you, you, you mentioned Vasco, the old, Vasco, old Dominican, you know, commit, um, and he accounted for 2,200 total yards, 34 touchdowns, and you mentioned that zero picks in the spring game. This year, he in in just the four games, he's um, he's uh, he has six touchdowns um, so far. And um, what else do we got here? Uh, King mentioned King, the running back. He was their leading rusher. Uh, he had twelve hundred yards last year, eighteen touchdowns. Um, and then they have a receiver, Amante Jones, who led the Tigers in TV receptions with 12. So, you know, so they got some offensive firepower, you know, a little bit more so. I mean, you know, East St. Louis had burden, but these guys have a little bit more. You know, and defensively, they, uh, they bring two guys on the defensive line, Caleb Jones and Sincere Quarterman. And both those guys combined for 103 tackles, 65 for a loss. Um, and, um, you know, that's huge, you know, cause you gotta have, you gotta have those guys up front. We always wonder if they have guys up front. So it sounds like they have them up front. Um, you know, Oscar Smith, you know, they actually said they come in ranked higher than East St. Louis did. And it looks like, you know, Oscar Smith has more offensive firepower with some guys on defense. You know, it doesn't look like they're a one dimensional team. You know, and after last week, you know, I don't think Bosco is going to be able to roll over and just win on their depth and athleticism. They're going to have to execute and not have to rely on just big plays as they have so far um, and that defense. You know, if Bosco gets consistent offensive play with that same stout defense, they should come home with the win. But if they have the same issues that have been plaguing him, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I read up a little bit, and I had his name wrong. Excuse, uh, I had Vasco, Ethan Vasco. Um, I read about him. He sounds like a pretty impressive kid. I mean, he just strikes me as a really good high school quarterback, pretty intelligent, doesn't make mistakes, um, very committed, um, or very focused. Um, read a couple articles about him, and it seems like this guy's a baller, and I could see him being very, uh, very composed uh, and playing very well as i mean yeah yeah i mean we have talked about quarterback play with against bosco because we have yet to seen anyone other than you know modern day and servite to play have good quarterback play you know in those games and they, they've just taken everybody and made them one you know one dimensional yeah. even and so i think with this guy coming in and i've you know he is he's he's, he's very rangy he's about six four like yeah. you said, maybe 200 190 um, he doesn't look like, you know, but he's long strider. So, um, and, and they got some skill on there and they have some big boys. So it's, it's, uh, it, it is going to be, you know, and they've, I mean, they've outscored their last, you know, their two opponents. They beat a two and one deep Creek 49 to three, who was the number 57 ranked team in their, um, state. And then they beat a grasslands, 
grass fields, 57-0. You know, I mean, take it for what it's worth, but, um, you know, they put up the points and, you know, it sounds similar to like what Bosco's done to everybody, you know, you know, to their lesser known opponents. So, yeah, it'll be, very, you know, very interesting, um, you know, on this one, especially what we saw uh, last week, so... Yeah, the deep creek game. The deep uh, creek game, the, like you said, forty nine to three. That was in late August, and then they had a bye week, or you know, who knows if you know if they got a game canceled or whatnot. And then they played last week on um, on Friday, so no no bye kind of situation. Um, sounds like the the stadium is about seven thousand um, crowd, so you'll be interested what kind of uh, you know what kind of uh, situation. Bosco has some hostility, so um, they Bosco's play a lot of home games um, to start the, out the season. Um, what have they played? Uh, one um, road game, um, or no? They played no. This is their first. They've been four. They started the season four home games. They played, yeah. you know, Miami um, Central. Um, they played Alameda at home, Bishop Amon at home, and uh, East St. Louis. Um, I know you look at Cal Preps. Um, they still, you know, uh, they have um, Central uh, is, is ranked as a, uh, as the highest team that uh, Bosco's played, um, and then um, and then it was East St. Louis, and then the Smith. But the Smith team does look pretty interesting. Um, but I, I still think Bosco's gonna um, gonna win. Are you picking Bosco to win? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. You know, I I I can't see them playing. You know, two bad games in a row, and uh, you know, and, and they're leaving actually tomorrow. You know, I know Negro, I know, you know, uh, you know, Modern Day and them to have a different philosophy because yeah, it, it's interesting because Modern Day is worried about school and they'll you know they don't want to be out of school, so they leave the as late as possible. Yeah, you know, they leave on and, and then Bosco on when they do their trips, but they also make make a big trek out of it so like they'll do a lot of sightseeing and, and make it some type of educational you know I think they're going to uh, um, uh, what's in Virginia Williamsburg you know they're okay. going to do that tour and I think you know so they're going to do a bunch of you know, other things in that in that area so but you know once while they're, they're leaving early but it's just it's funny how when you always see like modern day never wants to leave early to you know when they go out of state so yeah, I think Negro told me that they were taking a red eye out, um, red eye flight. He did tell me they were going to go see a baseball game, a minor league baseball game, I think. Um, but um, yeah, shall be interesting how it goes. Uh, great experience for those kids to uh, the Bosco kids. I think that's, I mean, that's educational in it right there. There's, you know, these kids that get to, you know, travel, uh, navigate the airport, uh, go on a plane. You know, learn about um, you know keeping their luggage, and uh, you know, obviously they're gonna have to navigate the COVID stuff. Bosco has been testing because um, they're LA County, so they're 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 navigating that. But great life um, experiences for the for the Braves um, players. So they're they're lucky they got to go this do this trip um, out of state, um, just like Modern Day did as well, going to Texas and Nevada. Uh, so Scotty, a couple other games this week. You got Orange Lutheran. We can kind of combo combo these, but Orange Lutheran taking on Notre um, Notre Dame of Sherman Oaks. Now that's the same team that uh, Jay Sarah defeated um, for their one win. So I think that's a that's looking like a, a 
a victory on the road for the Lancers. And then Jay Sarah taking on Rancho Cucamonga on the road as well. Another tough road game, I think, for the Lions. But what do you think of those two games, Scotty? Yeah, you know, you know, Sherman Oaks is one and three. It's the same one as you mentioned. Uh, and their most recent loss was 37-0 to St. Bonaventure. So there's not a whole lot, you know, you could say in this one other than Olu should have its way and, you know, move you know, on to five and zero heading into league play, uh, and as far as uh, Jay Sarah, they're taking on a Rancho Cucamonga team. Who Max Preps is interesting. It has them as the twenty four rated team in California, and they got wins over Apple Valley and Valencia. Their one big loss is huge to Norco, but Norco's pretty good. Yeah, um, they do have some skill. You know, and it starts with their junior quarterback Xavier Washington who's built from the Bryce Young mold. You know, he's about 5'10", has a very quick release, you know, very reminiscent of Young. And he even wears jersey number nine. Um, So uh, that's one to keep an eye on. And in the three games, he's thrown 10 touchdowns uh, for 1,037 yards. Um, You know, at the beginning of the season, I was going to take Rancho without hesitation. But now uh, I'm still going to go Rancho Cucamonga only because I'm not sure Jay Sarah has enough skill offensive skill power you know it just seems Joe Jay Sarah's as I mentioned earlier its defense has kind of kept them in the games longer um than they you know than getting blown out early on um but uh you know they're gonna have to work on getting some more points um and just uh, see what happens uh, but I like I said I think I'm gonna still go with the Rancho in this one okay yeah Rancho um Coming off a 31-28 win against Valencia at home. And then they did also played at home and lost to Norco, like you said, 62-28. And then they opened up with a 27-19 win against Apple Valley on the road. That's the same team that uh, Mission Viejo um, defeated uh, earlier this season. I think this will be a, a tough one for uh, Jay Sarah, but I think they're making some um, strides. Um, like you said, their defense... Uh, is ahead of their offense, um, but it's obviously a pretty brutal schedule here. Um, this stretch where you know played a tough Sierra Canyon team, they won Notre Notre Dame Sherman Oaks, but they come back and play back to back Centennial Corona and um, Rancho Cucamonga. That's that's pretty tough stuff. Um, and then it will lighten up uh, to some degree before training league. They do have that rescheduled game. Week five against Newport Harbor. We'll be talking about that next next week, and I'm I think that's going to be an anticipated game because it does bring in some county rankings, and we'll get a I think a maybe a little bit fairer gauge about where the lines are, but we'll see what happens um, this week. So, Scotty, you got your eyes on this week, Low Sal SM, just like I do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's a couple other games. To watch as well, we got the yeah the Sierra Canyon survey, so we'll get I get to see that yeah so well yeah we have some pretty good games this week so and the Bosco uh, Smith game yes so which I'm trying to I I'm, I'm I haven't heard I think it's so you can catch it somewhere on, on online but I haven't I haven't looked into that yet so I don't know if you knew that one yet I don't know but I'll try to pass along and then like I said um, Scotty asked about the playoffs. This is what the CIF said about um, Division One at the beginning of the year. They talked about how um, that most brackets would be 16 teams with the exception of Division One, which could kind of be potentially reduced to eight. So there, that's going to be 
they're going to put the teams in Division One that belong to Division One, and they'll they'll treat it like um, you know a uh, you know a, an open situation that you know they're going to you know they're going to look at the Cal Preps rankings uh, out of the automatic qualifiers, and um, they'll take the they'll take the top. Uh, rated teams and put them in D1 and, and try to get a, a group that belongs there. If it's six or four, I could, it could happen. Or if it's eight, but it's probably not going to be 16. Okay. Cause they haven't committed. See, that's what was the, the language on that. That's why I think it had everybody confused because people are either thinking it's going to be eight or 16. So, um, it, it's too bad they can't just say just you know like you said and just go to sixteen like they like you know like they said because now you're only going to get we understand it's it's Moscow modern day and everybody else but uh, you know I think I think Norco and that Centennial are starting to, that's starting to shape up as a, as an interesting and we we still have uh, a few more yeah so we have still a few more games so I you know that those other games are going to be interesting you know like I said uh, but. You know, and like little and little south, you know, and servite, right? But that's why I was saying like the eight, you know, because yeah. if you only pick the eight, and if little south gets into that eight, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be right off the bat, they're gonna be playing the number one seed, you know. So that's why they don't want somebody want you know whoever's eight or nine and ten, you know, they're gonna be if they don't just do if they don't do that sixteen, you know, bracket that. You know, but I understand, you know, they don't want to just it's just one less game, I guess. And then and, and the games that are in between, I think you, you lose out on too. Not you know, not just so much the one and the sixteen, but you lose out those games I think in the middle there that there could be upsets and, and, and um you know, that second you know, that second round. So rather than have modern you know, having everybody just, you know, do a buy and then get to the second round. Yeah. I, I mean, if if you read the things that you've read, and I've heard speculated that there's five, you know, clear cut Division One teams with you know Modern Day, Bosco, Servite, Centennial, Corona, and Norco. If those are the five teams, like you said, you think um, Losal that gets you. If that's you know, if you think they're in, I think they're pretty good too. If they win today or they win this week, there's your six. You know, can they get to two more? If it feels like. Maybe it's an it's an eight, you know, if they can get um, two more teams in there, um, if those emerge. Because if you got six, then yeah, you're looking at buys for the two, the first two teams, um, and then you got two two teams playing to get into the to the next round. So I think uh, I think eight seems like the number. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean that was close to what it was, I guess, last year, and I guess they want to keep that competitive. You know, then you know, I think they're more worried about, you know, that that sixteenth and fifteenth seed getting blown out, you know, in that first round, and that's why I think they've adjusted because after that, all the rest, the thirteen, fourteen, and the two, uh, the three and the four, you know, I think those could be, you know, they could, it could be. Great games as well, but yeah, you know Sierra Canyon is is highly ranked right now in um and on Cal Preps. We'll see if that holds up. That's why that's an interesting game this week. They're you know can they recover? Um, you know, of course, playing these teams when you play non-league games against Centennial and um, Servite, that's going to help your power ranking. Um, they have an interesting schedule. They have mostly non-league games on their schedule because they're in this kind of wacky 
Gold Coast League. Um, you know, Alamany is an interesting team too because they played Bosco to 24 to 3. Um, that's a competitive score. You would say, well, but you know, they play Mission Viejo this week. We'll see how, and they're in a tough league in the Mission League. Um, how do they hang out? Um, I don't know. Could, if, if, we'll see what happens to the fourth place team in the Trinity, the Orange Lutherans, the San, or it's the Santa Margaritas. Um, gonna be interesting, but it, it, it you know, we'll, we'll, there's still some season to go, but, um, it's gonna be definitely interesting. Yeah, there is, and you know, and, and going back to the, you know, speaking on Orange Luther, they I mean they just beat Damien, and I guess Damien, like, you know, I thought I saw where their Cal Preps ranking, Damien fell, and Orn and Amat, who got blown out by Servite, gained three spots, which makes no sense whatsoever, you know, and and uh, you know that's what I, I remember. I think I saw that. You know, I may be wrong, but. Um, since we're just shooting, talking off, yeah. uh, off the, you know, these, these, so I don't know, you know, like sometimes, you know, Cal preps, I mean, I know they've been pretty spot on with a lot of their scores. I don't know, you know, if you, you know, that that's, you have to use, you know, they're, they're heavily utilizing that as, you know, cause I, you know, when it comes down to it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I guess it makes it much easier when it's eight versus the 16. I think they would have, yes, they would have harder time breaking out those other teams, but you know, I don't know if you want to, you know, try to use. I still, I still like to use the, you know, human pole versus yeah. the computer. You know, yep. because I know, you know, because when you look at, you know, like I said, you know, just watching those Amok games, I mean, they were just frustrating to watch, and, yeah. and then to learn that they gained three spots, you know, because they because it was versus Bosco and Servite, but regardless, they were, you know, the computer's not taking into a part of actually watching that game they're taking into a part of just the score in their rankings you know whereas Damien and Olu Olu is not as highly ranked so that's why Damien drops but Damien looked like a much better team I think if you put Damien versus Amat Damien beats Amat you know and I think in their in their Tengiru rankings I believe Damien is stayed one I think in Amat dropped because they were trying to figure out who should be the number one in that area yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, Damien just is, is, you know, has played better, so that's why I'm just kind of frustrated with the, you know, yeah, you know, going with the uh, live versus the computer, and that will always be the argument. But yeah, well, hopefully, it'll all work out at the end, um, and see if these these numbers even out as uh, obviously league play is going to be big. So, well, Scotty, hey, great job and great talking to you tonight, man. As always, Dan, as always, and um, you know, we'll just keep it going and uh, be back here again next week. All right. So for Scott Barajas, I'm Dan Albano, and thanks for joining us on the Trinity League Football Podcast.